here in May, and I was here on May 7th, I think, um, and I preached on Gideon, if some of you still remember the message about a mighty warrior, but it's okay, nobody remembers uh, sermons, that's all right, I'm not offended. Today, um, I just want to say thank you to Pastor Joanne for uh, giving me um, the easiest and the least awkward topic of all. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about pornography and masturbation. I mean, everyday things that we talk about anyway, right? So, thank you, Pastor Joanne, for the great topic uh, to talk about. Now, I want to just tell you that I, as I was growing up, uh, I didn't have a, um, a father figure with me. I come from a single-parent family. And so, I never had the opportunity to speak with um, older men in church. Or I, ha- I never had the opportunity to speak with men in church. And I was too shy. I mean, you can't tell now, but I was too shy and it was a little bit too awkward. Oh, Things okay there? Yeah, things okay there, okay? And it was a little bit too awkward for me to share with my youth pastor and talk to him about, hey, hey, Pastor Ronald, can I talk to you about pornography? Can I talk to you about masturbation? And I want to just tell you that sex or the idea or the topic of sex is so rampant in our society today. Uh, you got to go back um, too, too fast, yeah? Keep it on the title slide until, until I say move, all right? Um, it is such a rampant topic in our world today and I think that the church must address this topic. Okay, guys, girls, make eye contact with me, okay? Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, okay? It's okay to talk about sex in church. Do you all agree with that? Because we must talk about sex in church. Because if we don't talk about sex in church, you guys are going to find out about sex from the outside world. And they will tell you what sex is supposed to be, and they will tell you what lust is supposed to be. And so right now, I want you to turn to the person beside you, and say it's okay to talk about sex. Yeah, it's okay to talk about sex, right? Yeah. Okay, so um, the title of my message is uh, Catch the Little Foxes. Okay, Catch the Little Foxes. Um, I, I don't know how many of you follow the Loud Gen Instagram account, but that photo was so outdated. Like, uh, it's a four-year-ago photo. Um, and that's a picture of Stacy, my goddaughter. Ever since then, uh, I have upgraded in life. I have uh, become a father. Uh, I, have a, I have my own daughter now. Uh, and uh, in about four to five weeks, my second, second born will arrive. Okay? So, yeah, my second born, uh, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's a boy. He's going to be my son. He's going to arrive in about four to five weeks. And um, around the time that you go for your FOPX and Youth Sunday, I should be a father of two. Okay? So, I'm excited for that. And uh, I'm really excited that... I have the opportunity to talk to a young little boy about sex now, okay? Because it's always been my dream to talk to my son about sex, okay? So, uh, last week, you had Raphael speaking here, right? You know, Raphael right now is about to speak at my church. So, we're kind of like swapping places. It's kind of cool, okay? He's a good guy. Um, so, uh, I'm going to just tell you that the title of my sermon is not based on Naruto. You all know Naruto, right? You all should know, right? If you all don't know, you have been living in like a shell, okay? Now, the title of my sermon today is actually taken from Song of Songs, chapter 2, verse 15. You can show the next slide. It should be there. Next slide. Next slide. Okay, that's fine. Why don't you turn your Bibles to Song of Songs, chapter 2, verse 15. Ah, okay, there you go. Okay, so this is um, where I got my sermon title from. The Word of God says, Catch all the foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love, for the grapevines are blossoming. Song of Song, chapter 2, verse 15. How many of you watch Naruto? 
hey, it's, it's okay. Okay, Pastor Dre, is it okay to watch Naruto? Okay, she says it's okay. Is it, okay, can you all raise your hand? How many of you watch Naruto? Okay, how many of you have heard of Naruto? Okay, thank you. I feel a little bit more confident. Okay, now, if you know about Naruto, you will know that QB or Kurama, okay, never mind. Okay, QB or Kurama is trying to bring out the worst in Naruto, but he's overcome by Naruto's goodness. If that all is jargon to you, then for those of you who don't watch Naruto, it's essentially a nine-tailed demon fox, i.e. that one, okay? A nine-tailed demon fox, he exists inside the protagonist, who is Naruto, to try to extract his uh, darkness. But this nine-tailed demon fox is overcome by his goodness. Get it? Okay, never mind. Okay, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm alone here. Now you see, Naruto has an inner beast. And the inner beast is called Kurama or the QB. Now, do you know that you and I, we all have an inner beast? You know that? You all know that? All of us here, we have an inner beast. And our inner beast, the name of our inner beast is called sin. And it brings out the worst in us. And the inner beast in us is unleashed, you know when? When we are tempted. When we are tempted, that's when the inner beast, the sin in us, wants to bring out the worst in us. So what are the tempters of life? There are three things that tempt us, or three persons, or three things that tempt us. The first one is that Satan tempts us. Okay, if you don't already know, Satan tempts us. Second thing that tempts us is sin tempts us. And the third thing that tempts us is our self. S-E-L-F, our flesh, it tempts us. Now, here's the good news. Jesus, we know, has already overcome Satan and sin. Amen? So that's defeated for good. However, because we are still on this earth, we are not glorified yet. That means we are not like uh, with God yet. We still have sin in our body. And because we are living on this earth and we are in this flesh, this earthly body, we will have a lifelong battle of defeating ourselves. And therefore, before we can even talk about masturbation, we can even talk about pornography, we have to understand how sin works before we overcome it. Okay? So, now, because the topic given to me was on pornography and masturbation, I want to give you the lowdown on pornography and masturbation. How many of you know which is the biggest sex organ in our lives? Hmm? <laughs> what was the uh, answer? What's the answer? It's okay. It's okay. We can talk about sex. I want to laugh, so. Okay, FYI, okay. It is not your penis. Sorry, wrong side. It is not your penis, okay. And it is not your vagina. The biggest sex organ in our lives is our brain. Okay, you got the right answer? All right, man. I, I, I cheer for you. Wow. That's your confetti, man. Okay, now. So here's the thing. If, if the biggest sex organ in our lives is our brain, and you can write that down, okay? Then I want you to know that pornography messes with that. Now let me give you the definition of pornography. It's not written there, so you've got to follow along with me. The biggest, de- or, 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 or the definition of pornography is anything that depicts erotic behavior for the purpose of sexual arousal. Okay? So it could be in writing, it could be in picture form, it could be voice, it could be, I don't know, the letter A. I mean, if you are sexually aroused by the letter A, then that's pornography to you. 
okay? Anything, anything, because each one of us are aroused differently. Anything that arouses sexual desire, anything that depicts that is pornography. So some of you here, okay, any, some, some of you here, when you look at Korean pop stars, okay, uh, okay, I'll just look generically, okay? Some of you are already aroused. And to you, maybe that could be the beginning of pornography. Okay, now, I want to give you the, um, I want to give you the, uh, you can show the next slide, I think. Ah, okay. So I want to give you the etymology of pornography. What is pornography? Is that okay? Now, pornography comes from this Greek word called pornographene. Pornographene, okay? Now, pornographene is essentially um, defined, okay? Let me break down that word for you. Porne, it means harlot. Okay, harlot. Now, what's a harlot? A harlot is a prostitute. Okay, it's the olden way of saying prostitute. Now, what is graphene? Graphene means writings. Okay, so pornography was actually a Greek idea that says that it is the writings of prostitutes. Get it? So pornography is the writings of prostitutes. And how it came about, okay, uh, we don't have time to go into that particular scripture, but you can write it down, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15 mentions the word harlot. And if you look at the Greek, it means porne. Alright? So, this particular uh, idea of porne graphene is the idea that people can't go and visit prostitutes. So, what they will do is that they will entertain the writings of prostitutes. They will entertain the whole idea of what this prostitute wants to do with a guy or a girl. What this uh, a, a prostitute wants to do with your body. That's what they will do. And so they are entertaining with the idea of what they could do with someone who is not their wife. Someone who is not their, not even their girlfriend, not their wife. You, you, you get it so far? Because back in the day uh, of Paul, there was no internet. There was no Playboy. There was no FHM, there was no, none of these things. And so the only thing that they could entertain was really the writings of harlots. Okay, now, I want to show you the four stages of pornography. Okay, some of you who have had the um, opportunity to dabble in pornography, you will know that pornography doesn't happen overnight. You don't just go like, oh man, I'm looking at pornography for the first time and I'm immediately addicted to it. No, pornography happens in stages. The first stage of pornography, I can't remember whether I've written it down. You can click next slide. Ah, okay, don't have, okay, back the previous slide. Okay, now, the first stage of pornography is when you are curious. Okay, when you're curious. Now, for me, I was exposed to pornography when I was primary five in my school bus. Okay, school bus. My school bus uncle is very hamsa. You know what's Hamsap? He's very tikope. You know what's tikope? He's very perf. Okay, he's very pervy. Okay, now he would bring he would bring pornographic magazines onto the school bus and distribute it to yeah. It's very sad. He would distribute it to the select few who are the last few people to get off the bus, so he doesn't get into too much trouble. And so, unfortunately, I stayed the furthest away from school, and so I had access to my school bus uncles pornographic material, okay? So, that was when it all began, when I was, I don't know, primary something, okay? Primary, mid-primary school, okay? And that was when I was first exposed to pornography and I'm thinking to myself, what in the world is this? That's curiosity, the first stage of pornography. The second stage of, uh, of uh, pornography is when it becomes occasional. 
alright? And you're not just seeing it for the first time and wondering what it is, but you are actually thinking, oh man, I'm having a very stressful week. Oh man, I'm very tired. I'm physically very tired. Oh man, I'm feeling like uh, uh, I'm very depressed and I need an outlet to release. Okay? And you get into pornography to release the tension in your body. Second stage of pornography. The third stage of pornography is when there is addiction. Now, I want to just say that back in my time, when I was a teenager, pornography was like exclusively to boys. Only boys would struggle with pornography, but I want to tell you that at this day and age, girls may struggle with pornography as well. Okay, of course, all the loud jangles are very good, very quiet, nobody struggle. And maybe your friends struggle. I'm not sure. But I want you to know that once you get to the third stage of pornography is when you're addicted and you need to watch pornography several times a day or you need to even masturbate several times a day. That is a stage of addiction. And the final stage is when you reach a stage of bondage where you have to look at pornographic materials throughout the day and you can't even get, you, you can't even survive the day if you don't have pornography or if you don't masturbate. All right? Can I use all these terms openly like that? I think it's important that we do, okay? Now, so these are the four stages of, um, of uh, a pornography, or, or pornography or masturbation. And I want to tell you that all these things happen because pornography is, uh, p- pornography is trying to get us to do one thing with it. Pornography is trying to get us to bond with it. There's an emotional bond, there's a spiritual bond. Now, what happens is that when a person watches pornography, or when a person masturbates, there will be an endorphin, and this is biological, there will be an endorphin that will be released into your brain, and this endorphin will cause you to be bonded to whoever or whatever that you have interaction with. Okay? Now, how, do, how will I define masturbation? Okay, now, for, for the girls, or maybe for some of the younger guys, what is masturbation? Masturbation is when you um, physically pleasure yourself. Can I put it that way? Okay, now, what is masturbation then? In very simple words, two words. Masturbation is artificial sex. I mean, I'll say as it is, right? Masturbation is artificial sex. And when a guy watches pornographic material to masturbate, or when a girl watches pornographic material to masturbate, what's happening is that as, as, uh, as, the, as it happens, endorphins are released into his or her brain to cause him or her to bond with whatever that he's seeing on screen. And that gives a spiritual bond and an emotional bond and it gets them to be addicted to it. So I want you to know that's how exactly um, um, pornography or masturbation works. So some people are addicted to porn and they cannot break free because they have bonded with what is on screen and they want more and more of it. Now here's the thing. Here's the thing. In our Asian context, or in fact, in most worldwide contexts, whenever a person gets into masturbation or pornography, it always happens when they are alone. I don't think, I don't think we are at a stage, I don't think you are at a stage where you are watching pornography openly with like 10 other people. Right? I don't think we are at that stage. Okay? I, I pray we will never get to that stage. But what happens is that when we watch pornography or when there's masturbation, what happens is that there's sin in private. There's a sin that's happening in secret and this sinning in secret leads to a bonding that's taking place in secret. And this bonding that's taking place in secret will lead you to backslide in secret. 
And I want you to know that that is the strategy of the evil one. Satan's strategy is for you to do everything in secret so that you were born in secret, backslide in secret, and he wants you to feel that it's too shameful to talk to anyone else about it. Which is why many times when I counsel a guy, a guy will, 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 will approach me, um, one of my youths, they will approach me and they will say, Pastor, I want to tell you a secret that I've never ever told anybody before. And I'm like, is it about masturbation and pornography? Pastor, how you know? It's not really a secret because almost every guy at some point in their lives, unfortunately, have to deal with it. And so I want you to know that that is not a common thing. It was not common back in Paul's day and it's not common today. But the devil wants you to think that it's a very secret thing, that only you deal with it. And because only you deal with it, you better just struggle with it secretly because if it's brought up into the light, it's going to be a very shameful thing for you. Now, people, there are three common excuses that we make towards sinning. Human nature, human error, and human factor. What do I mean by this? Human nature means a person says, Pastor, excuse me, excuse me, you know, I believe that all have sinned and fallen short, but... Correct, you all know that verse, right? Romans 3.23. But I want you to know that Romans 3.23 doesn't say all are sinning and falling short. But Romans 3.23 says all have sinned and fallen short. And that's why Christ had to come to die for us so that we don't have to continue to sin. So, yes, we may have human nature, but in that human nature, there's the redemption of Jesus to say to, to, say to us, no more of this. You have fallen, you have sinned, you have fallen short of the glory of God. I'm here to redeem you, no more excuses. Okay, now the second one is that there's human error. Some of you will go like, hey, Pastor, come me some slack, you know. I'm only 15. I'm only 18. I'm imperfect. I'm still growing. I'm still growing in my faith, what? But the question that I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask, right, if a person is continuously dabbling in sin, intentionally dabbling in sin, making excuses for sin, I wonder if they are really growing in their faith or whether they are growing in their ability to make excuses. I don't know what they are growing in, all right? Now, I want you to know that growth is not automatic. It is a proactive thing. You have to effort towards it. If a 10-year-old Christian is still habitually sinning, I am not sure what kind of growth that person has made. Alright? I should be uh, hitting some nerves now already, okay? It's all good. It's all intentional. And then, there's the human factor. Okay? Where it says that, you know, Pastor, you know, it's not my fault. Satan tell me what is his fault. Last I checked, Adam used that excuse as well. Hey, it's the serpent, no. It's the woman, what? And the woman said, no, la, it's the serpent, what? That means you're saying, God tempt you, la. <laughs> That's what Adam was essentially saying. And Adam was the one who invented the blame game. But you know what? We popularized it. We neutralized it. We naturalized it. We normalized it until it's no longer our fault. It's human error, it's human nature, and it's human factor. Here's the good news. The Bible talks to us about sin. The Bible talks to us about categories of sin. Can I give you categories of sin? so that y'all will all know, I'm giving you a general framework, then we can go into dealing specifically with pornography and masturbation. Is that okay? Let's all turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Okay, next slide, please. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I'm uh, going to read it all together uh, with, you, with you. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I'm going to read from verse 1 to 12, Okay. Now, these 12 verses give us the idea 
of the general categories of sin that the Bible lists. And Paul, in, in, in this particular context, he's trying to get the believers who are reading his letter to learn from a group of people called the Israelites. He's making an example out of them. And since he's making an example of them, I will make an example out of them as well. And so we can all learn from the Israelites' example. So in verse 1, it says, I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them. And all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate uh, the same spiritual food and all of them drank the same spiritual water. For they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them and that rock was Christ. Yet God was not pleased with most of them and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Verse 6, these things happened as a warning to us so that we would not crave evil things as they did or worship idols as some of them did. As the scriptures say, the people celebrated with feasting and drinking and they indulged in pagan revelry. And we must not engage in sexual immorality as some of them did, causing 23,000 of them to die in one day. Verse 9, Nor should we put Christ to the test as some of them did and then died from snake bites. And don't grumble as some of them did and then were destroyed by the angel of death. These things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. Alright, so I want you to see at this particular instance, okay, that Paul describes 10 different things here in two sets, 5 and 5, okay? So I want to just show you that Paul first describes um, 5 different advantages that the Israelites had, okay? So if you stick with me, okay, you look at verse 1, verse 1b, okay, or the second part of verse 1, all of them were guided by a cloud. So what happens is that the Israelites at that... At, at, Back in the day, okay, they, they had supernatural guidance and protection. I think that's cool. And it was, it's, it's uh, known to us because they were guided by a cloud, cloud technology, okay? Now then, they also experienced a miraculous uh, deliverance because in the second part of verse 1, they actually walked through sea on dry ground. That's kind of cool. They were guided by a cloud and they walked through the sea on dry ground. That's pretty good, okay? Then the third thing was that they had unity with God. In verse 2, you will see that they were baptized by Moses. This is the significance of being one with God. So the Israelites, they had cloud, they had dry ground, they had unity with God. And the fourth thing that they had was that they had supernatural providence of bread from heaven. Verse 3 tells us they had spiritual food. And not just that, not just did they have food, but they also had a spiritual drink. And this spiritual drink is a supernatural source of God's presence through Christ. Can you all see it? So the Israelites, they had the five advantages that should really have been setting them free from all kinds of temptations. However, however, even though they had cloud technology, even though they had dry ground, even though they had unity with God, even though they had spiritual food, can you imagine if you're walking on the street and you, I mean, I don't know what app you're using now, like a Deliveroo, Hungry Go Well or whatever, right? And you go like, wow, this is really nice. You see on Facebook, somebody's doing some food photography thing and you say, God, I want that chakritiao now and rain down chakritiao. That's what they had, okay? They had supernatural providence of food and drink. And not just that, the drink was to represent Christ. So these Israelites, they had everything. They really had everything. And yet, they still fell. Now, then the Bible goes on to list the five ways that they messed with sin. 
And I think we need to understand this so that we know how to overcome the sin. Okay, the first way that they matched with sin, okay, the first one is that they were craving evil things. In verse 6, it tells us that they were craving evil things. And I want you to know that we all have a sinful nature. If you are left on your own, you must realize that you will sin. And that's why if you are craving evil things, all of you here crave evil things, from Joanne to myself to the worship leader to Heidi. Uh, I only remember Heidi's name, okay? Uh, uh, there's Jody, but Jody's not here. These are a few names that I remembered, right? All of us will have to deal with sin. Are you all heard that I forgot your name? You, you, you like did this, yeah. What is your name? Now, now I'll make an example. Tianhui. Okay, I'll forever remember you. Tianhui. Don't be sad anymore, okay? Don't crave evil things. It's okay, yeah? Yeah, I watch everything. Now I say read already. Hey, don't worry. <laughs> okay, now, I want you to know that all of us here, we crave evil things, all right? So, the important thing is that if all of us crave evil things, then we must all get help. If all of us here are just as sinful as one another, we must all get help. The problem is, we try to clean ourselves, then go to God. But the solution is that we must go to God to get clean. Not to clean ourselves, then go to God. And the best thing that we can do if we crave evil things is to confess our sins to one another. We account ourselves to one another with a buddy or leader that we can trust. So if some of you here, you are craving for pornography, the best thing that you can do is not to go back home and try to cold turkey yourself and disengage, you know, do airplane mode and you don't go on the internet. No, that's not wise. The best thing that you can do is to go and talk to another brother that you can trust about it. Someone that is wise. Not like, you know, hey, hey um, you know, I'm dabbling in pornography. Really, really, me too want to do together. No, that's the last thing that you want. So you've got to be wise in this. Confess to each other. Now, I want you to know that you're looking at a 34-year-old version of me. When I was 14, 15 years old, I was tempted by pornography as well. In fact, in my time, in my time, the computers were so slow and had so little space and was so easy to find out whether a person could, uh, was watching porn or not that, I mean, this is crazy, right? But my friends and I, okay, we would watch porn, feel bad about it on a 56K modem, okay? The pictures loaded really slow. No, no videos back then, right? And we will feel so bad about watching porn, but we want to watch porn so much without getting our parents to find out that we're watching porn. Every time we watch porn, we'll reformat our computer. You know how, okay, okay, some of you don't understand this, but Joanne, you can understand this whole idea of, you watch a porn, you like go, 15 minutes, I'll reformat the whole thing so that nobody can find out what I've done. That's how badly we needed pornography back then. And you know, the best thing that my friend and I did was to confess and say, hey, you know, you, you also suffer like that, is it? I also suffer like that. Okay, each time we are tempted, we will call each other and pray on the phone until we are no longer tempted. And I found a way for me to escape this temptation. And my way to escape this whole idea of craving evil things was that whenever I felt the temptation, you know what I did? I literally ran from it. How did I ran, run from it? Put on running shorts, sports shoes, and go and run. I literally went outside and knew that there was this tension and energy in my body I needed to let go of. And so I really went running. Like, I ran a lot. And that's why maybe when I was younger, I was very fit. Because every time I'm tempted, I'll get and run. So I keep running and running and running. I was really running for my spiritual life, okay? I want you to know, young people, that Christ has set us free for freedom. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. What is this freedom for? Freedom not to sin some more. 
but freedom to sin no more and freedom to pursue the things of God. So we need to understand this, that Christ gave us freedom. He died for our freedom. And this freedom is for us to pursue God. The second thing that the Israelites were dealing with was that they were worshipping false idols. In verse 7, you can take a look, um, or idols as some of them did. They were worshipping false idols on top of craving evil things. And I want you to know that all of us, we have idols in our lives. Okay? Uh, for the guys, because I'm a guy, I can identify as a guy, okay? Um, we deal with three things. It's a 3G idol. Girls, goal, and glory. Okay, what do I mean by that? Okay, girls, we are dealing with lust. That's one of the idols that we have. Okay, I must speak generically, okay? Sorry, sorry girls if I leave you out. But just imagine that I'm using a very generic term, okay? Now, I want you to know that for girls or for guys, we, have to, we are dealing with lust. And what is lust? What is the thing about lust that we deal with? We are dealing with sex, the temptation of sex before and outside marriage. Because these acts before and outside of marriage, it will destroy your view of love. And whether you are a guy or a girl, you are also dealing with the lust of gold, which is materialism. You know, you guys are a lot better dressed than like I ever was in my youth days. I mean, I had like center partying and like baggy jeans, alien workshop and like, I mean, y'all cannot tell, but you know, you guys are really much better dressed. But even though we are so well to do now, I think the Christian church especially is very well to do and yet they are dealing with materialism so much more. In case anybody told you, money is not the root of evil. The love of money is the root of evil. And the love of money is materialism. And finally, all of us here, we deal with glory. Or one of the idols that we might have is glory. And that is when we worship ourselves. When, when, when pride is not just wanting to become the best, but it's becoming better than other people. We are chasing glory. How many of the girls know this band called Backstreet Boys? I want it that way, you know. Okay, like they are like in their 40s now maybe. I can't imagine them like, you know. Okay, Backstreet Boys. Okay, I had a neighbor who was idolizing Backstreet Boys to the extent. Okay, this is crazy, okay. She lived one floor below me and she worshipped Backstreet Boys so much. Okay, Backstreet Boys and sing Boy Zone and you know all the uncle bands now, right? Huh? And when I walked into her house, we were neighbours, right? It was a shrine for Backstreet Boys. Like posters all over the wall. I mean, it's crazy, right? Now it's just digital stuff. Like nobody pays poster on the wall anymore, right? But I want you to know that the extent of her idolising, okay, is, okay, this is so crazy, right? But it really happened. We were like playing computer games at the house. My house, no computer last time. She was richer, so I go downstairs and play computer games, okay? What happened, right, was that whenever Backstreet Boys appear on the TV, Okay, and this is like pre-recorded because she records everything Backstreet Boys and so she will roll it in the background and whenever Backstreet Boys appear on video, on TV, I kid you not, okay, I will get a shock of my life because she'll be screaming, Ah! Okay, that's the only one that I remember. And, and she would idolize them to the extent that it freaks me out, you know. It's, it's like idolizing someone who does not even know you who doesn't even know that you exist, who doesn't even know that you're screaming at the same video every single day, is mad. But here's the thing, young people. Do you know that sometimes we also worship an idol in church? When we worship a God that is not in the Bible. Some of us here, our understanding of God is based on our whim and fancy. 
we don't really understand God and know Him for who He is in the Bible. And that's why sometimes we worship a God thinking that, oh God, no lah, if I sin, confirm, forgive. Yes, God will forgive, but God will also demand a life of holiness. And God is saying to you, hey, it's not just about grace, grace, grace. Last I checked the Bible, when uh, Pastor Joanne was reading the word just now, it wasn't, I mean, the angels and saints, they were not singing grace, grace, grace. No, they were not singing there about God. They were singing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And God is challenging us not just to depend on His grace, but to emulate His holiness. And if we don't know that that is the God that we worship, then we are in deep trouble because we are worshipping a false God. Let me go into the next point, is that the Israelites back then, they were engaging in sexual immorality. And today, we also struggle with sexual immorality. Single guys struggle with their minds. There's overt sinning, they are very visual, they are very physical, they commit a sin with their physical body. But the girls are a little bit different. Girls struggle with their heart. They give their heart away a lot and it's all very subvert sinning. It's emotional, it's fantasy. And I want you to know that even married folks struggle. Well, of course, Joanne doesn't struggle, you know. I'm very sure the married folks in uh, Pasi Panjang doesn't struggle. It's only for the sinners out there in the world, right? But I want you to know that there are married folks. After they are married, they have a spouse, they want someone else. They are not happy with their lot. And they end up struggling and engaging in sexual immorality. When I was in Shanghai, I worked in Shanghai for a couple of years. And I remember going for, I mean, Shanghai massage is really cheap. And like legit massage, okay? Uh, do you enjoy a massage? I, I love food reflexology, right? And Shanghai is, okay, in Singapore, it's about one sing dollar for one minute, thereabouts. In Shanghai, it's about one renminbi for one minute, meaning 20 cents per minute. So I will go on massageathons, okay? Because it's just so cheap. And after that, you just come out like a pack of jelly, you know? And I remember I, I, I had always gone to the same um, legit massage uh, place right below my block. And it's like very brightly lit, okay? And it's very, it's very proper, okay? It's very, very proper. In Shanghai, if you want to find vices, it's very easy to find. But I had to ensure that I went to a proper one. And I will always show my cellmates to go with me. But I remember there was one particular one. And I will always go to the same person so that, so that she knows how to press my leg and all that, you know? But I remember there was one time I went and the, the same person that always uh, does food reflex for me, right, wasn't around. And so there was a new person who was there. And I, I, won't, I won't give you all the details, but what happened was that she started to go into parts of my leg that she wasn't supposed to go to. I don't like anything to go above my knee because it's not because I will be sexually aroused. It's because it's too ticklish. Then I'll be squirming and it's very embarrassing. So I never want to go above my knee. But she started to explore above my knee and then I was thinking to myself, this is a three-hour massage and it's only 45 minutes in and I'm in deep trouble. And so what happened was that at that point in time, and I mean, you are very vulnerable because you are in your massage gear, right? And like you are like completely vulnerable. And so I remember telling her in my broken ACS Chinese, right? Then she will say to me, okay, 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 
my housemates and my cellmates, my cell group, what happened and told them never to go there again. And do you know that when I bring these things into the light, the devil can no longer tempt me in the dark. And it's so important for us to remember all that because if we, if, if, if we try to resist temptation, we are in deep trouble because the Bible doesn't tell us to resist temptation. Do you know what the Bible tells us to do? Flee from temptation and resist what? Resist the devil. But a lot of us want to flee from the devil and resist temptation instead. Wrong order. We should be fleeing from temptation and resisting the devil. And we need to do literally that. And guys, I want to tell you, whenever you are tempted, especially in the area of lust, be a coward, run away. Is that, is that okay? That's good advice, okay? Tell me, I'll let you know that it really, really works. Okay, now, the last one, last one is, oh, the, the second last one is, we put Christ to the test. The Israelites, they put Christ to the test and sometimes we put Christ to the test as well. What do I mean by that? When we undermine God and we take grace for granted. That is cheap grace. When we underestimate Satan and think that we are fighting a weak being on our own. But actually, Satan is very powerful. Do you all know that? He's very, very powerful. And he has every ability to tempt you beyond what you can tahan. And finally, we overestimate ourselves and we think that we are experienced enough to win the devil. I had a friend in secondary school who joined rugby and he was a good believer, good Christian boy. And he told himself, you know, Joey, I'm, I'm going to go into rugby CCA and I'm going to win them to Jesus. And I said, how are you going to do it? I'm going to go clubbing with them. I'm going to go smoking with them. I'm going to go do all that with them so that I am in the world. I'm in the world with them so that I can win them to Jesus. And I say, bro, it's not going to work. You are going to backslide very soon. And soon enough, six months, he was drinking, smoking, and the last thing that he was doing was evangelizing. And I want you to know that if we put Christ to the test, if we think that Christ will always forgive us, even though that's true, that's cheap grace. Challenging God is as good as saying that you are above God or that you match God. And the last I checked, the one who challenged him was sentenced to eternal damnation. And finally, the last area that we struggle with is that we grumble like others. The very last one is that we grumble like others. And I want you to know that the Israelites, they had everything going their way, but yet they were still complaining. There was ingratitude in their lives and they forget everything that God has done for them in the past. Do you and I do that as well? Do we forget what God has done for us in the past. They were selfish. They put, them, they, put others before, they put themselves before others and assumed that life was all about them. They were arrogant. They thought that they have a better solution and they were superior to God. And I want you to know that grumbling about what God has given to you is never the way to approach your Christian life. Now, here's the thing. The difference, the big difference between the Israelites and us is that they didn't have Jesus. We have Jesus. Do you all know that? We, we have Jesus. And because they didn't have Jesus, we have Jesus, we have to learn from Jesus in the way that He overcame temptation. How did Jesus deal with temptation? Jesus didn't smoke, what? Right? Jesus don't have internet, right? Jesus don't have 4G network, no Wi-Fi, right? Jesus don't have drugs during His time, right? So how can Jesus identify with me? How can Jesus actually say that He knows what I'm feeling? Now let's turn to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. Next slide. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. I'll read this to you. This high priest of ours, who is Jesus Christ, 
understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive His mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. Now, um, Jesus sympathizes with us and fully understands because He was also tempted. Yes, nobody offered Him drugs, cigarettes, girls, materialism, status. I don't know. Nobody offered Him all these things, but He was tempted in the way that He was weak at. Okay, I'm going to explain this to you a little bit later. So, the wrong understanding that Christians have about Jesus is that Jesus went through every temptation. No, that's not true. Jesus did not go through every single temptation because there are some temptations in your life that is very unique to you or unique to Singapore or unique to this century. And Jesus didn't go through that. Okay? Jesus went through different types of temptation according to his weakness. And so, a lot of us, we have a wrong understanding is, is that if Jesus never sinned, then he cannot understand my struggle in this sin. Now, the right understanding is, Jesus was tempted in his most sensitive points, but he did not sin. Therefore, he understands the pressure of temptation. The pressure that you and I go through. Okay, now, you will see that uh, in this particular verse, understands our weaknesses. If you were to look at the Greek, or if you look at the original language of this particular word, weaknesses, it's actually a technical term. A technical term that you use to describe body armor. And in that body armor is the weakest part of the body armor. Now, do you all know which are the weakest parts of the body armor? Armpit, okay. What else? Ankle, yeah, I think ankle. Behind the knee. On the elbow. These are the weakest parts of the, the, the armor. And, 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 and the Bible describes this particular passage as a high priest who understands the weakest part of our armor. Now, I'm going to help you to uh, understand this, okay? So, I need the whiteboard, okay? Um, and a whiteboard marker, okay? Now, um, I will use four different uh, examples, okay? So, uh, because I know uh, Heidi, so I will write Heidi. I'll write Heidi's name down. Okay, so I want you to see, this is how um, understanding the pressure of temptation works, okay? You have, okay, what, what is this called? Graph, right? And this axis is called y-axis, and this axis is called x-axis, right? Okay, now, we need different reference points on the graph, okay? So let's have reference point A, okay? Heidi is A. So let's uh, have Heidi here. Now, Heidi, are you... Are you tempted? Are you tempted by pornography? Generally? No, right? So, what do you all think Heidi is tempted by? What? Rocks. Rocks. Like diamond rocks? Okay. So, what happens when you see a rock. Are you going to collect rocks? She needs to, f she, she needs to feel, okay. Okay, so, rocks. So that's, that's the weakness in Heidi's armor. Okay? So Heidi cannot take rocks. Sees a rock, must molest the rock. Right? Okay, now, Tian, Tian Hui. Is that Tian Hui? Correct, correct. Okay, so Tian Hui, maybe is slightly more, um, uh, more garang, okay? So let's have Tianhui here. Tianhui, what are you tempted by normally? Uh, 
Normally, what, what is your weakness of your temptation? Girls. Girls. Wow, very honest. Hey, very honest. It's a more real answer than rocks. I mean, rocks is honest. But very good. Okay, so, so Tianwei is tempted by girls. Okay, now, of course, we need to get Pastor Joanne in now. Okay, so let's have Pastor Joanne here, okay? And Pastor Joanne, what are you tempted by? I wrote that in my, in my transcript, shoes, okay? So, shoes. Okay, now, of course, I must also put myself in, okay? So, maybe I am here, okay? And I am tempted by, I don't know, okay, so, uh, food? Okay, okay, let me, lies, lies, okay? Let me tell you what I'm tempted by. I'm tempted always to scold people when they drive badly. Okay, so let's call it road rage, okay? Is that okay? Now, here's the thing. When Heidi is tempted, okay, so this is intensity of temptation and this is time of temptation or duration, okay? Sorry, my handwriting is very bad now. So this is the duration and this is the intensity. So for Heidi, okay, when she arrives here, she is tempted maybe like, I don't know, one day, okay? And I mean, for her, it's very intense. This whole idea of being looking at a rock and like, cannot take it, must touch it, must, must, must feel it. And then she yields to temptation. So it just takes this amount here for her to look at a rock and yield to temptation. And she falls. No choice, see the rock, cannot, cannot take it, must touch the rock. And she has yielded to temptation. Okay, now, maybe for Tianhui, he's a little bit stronger. Okay, so he looks at a girl, uh, he looks at Heidi, for example. I mean, girl, right? A girl, girl, I mean, you're a girl, right? Okay? He looks at Heidi and he goes like, wow, Heidi is a really pretty girl. Okay, Heidi is a beautiful girl. I must be her boyfriend. Okay, and, and he takes like maybe two weeks. And he goes like, wow, Heidi is, is someone that I really want to approach and I have a weakness because pretty girls get to me very easily, okay? And so he says to himself, okay, you know what? I, I must approach Heidi and I look at Heidi and I, I just have to approach her. So two weeks later, he cannot control himself anymore. He goes over to Heidi, Heidi, hi, my name is Tianhui, but, but you can call me tonight, you know? Something like that, you know? And, and he goes over. It's very intense, okay? What a horrible pickup line, huh? Okay. And at two weeks, at two weeks, Tianhui succumbs to temptation. So, the intensity for him is higher. The thing is longer. So, to a certain extent, can Tianhui understand the pressure of Heidi's temptation? Can he understand that? Because he's tempted in his weakness, and Heidi was tempted in her weakness, Heidi succumbed in one day. Tianhui, tahan, two weeks. The different ways that they are tempted he tahan for two weeks and he could really feel the pressure of what Heidi was going through. Heidi had to deal with this temptation of rocks and Tianhui had to deal with this temptation of girls. And so Heidi, and maybe I think Tianhui can understand, wow, it must be difficult for you to tahan rocks. Okay, now, we move on. I, I hope you're getting it already, huh? Joanne, three months. Okay? Three, three years now, okay? So, in nice shoes, by the way. Those look new, huh? okay? And so maybe for Joanne, okay, she has a greater ability to deal with temptation. And so she goes like, wow, this is really my weakness. And I see all the super guy. I think super guy, right? This one, I know, my wife just bought one. Um, 
Superga, she bought a rose gold one. I, always, I don't know what it's all these, okay? And she goes like, wow, that's a really, really nice shoe. And as she looks at it for one day, no problem, I can deal with it. Two days, one week, one month, no problem. But the third month, she goes back, she goes like, I couldn't. I yielded to temptation and I bought the shoes. And to her, she's not tempted by rocks. She's not tempted by girls, obviously. But she's tempted by shoes. And so for her, for her, 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 her pressure to buy a shoe is very great. Greater than, than, than what you feel for rocks and what you feel for girls. And so, at third month, she succumbed to temptation. But because she tahan for so long, can she understand how Tianhui is feeling? Yes. Because she could really feel the pressure of temptation and Tianhui, oh, after two weeks, he crumbled. Uh, Heidi, even worse, after one day, crumbled already. And so can Joanne understand Heidi and Tianhui? Yes. Because she felt the pressure. Now, I save here. For me, maybe it took me one year to score someone on the road. And I could drive. I'm a very good Christian pastor, you know. Very nice guy. Got, got child in the back seat. Oh, got wife and all. So, so for, for the longest time, even though Joanne cuts my lane all the time, you know, even though Tianhui will go like, oh, he ride an old, old, old four bike or whatever, you know, cut into my lane. I'm like, okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And even though I'm so tempted to score people when I'm driving, I tahan for one year. And so if I tahan for one year, it means that I could bear with the temptation for one entire year and I didn't crack. Only at the final point, I cracked. So can I understand what Pastor Joanne was going through when she had to tahan three months for the shoes? Can. Can I understand what Tianhui was going through when he had to tahan two weeks before he approached Heidi? Can. Can I understand? Okay, of course I can understand Heidi with one day of rocks, right? Now, here's the thing. Did Heidi fall to temptation? Did Tianhui fall to temptation? Did Joanne fall to temptation? Did I fall to temptation? Now, let me tell you, here's the beautiful thing. Jesus. Jesus was tempted in three different ways. Providence. Okay, oh, okay, bread. Right? He was tempted with power. I'll give you everything and I'll save you. Correct? And what else was Jesus tempted by? Jumping? Yeah, yeah, okay. So, I was, I'll give you a life, okay? So, so, these are the three things that the devil knew that Jesus might be weak at. Because Jesus fasted for 40 days. Did he yield to temptation? And Jesus, at that point in time, he saw the city of Jerusalem and the devil said to him, worship me now and I'll give you the city. Did Jesus yield to temptation? No. And then, if you jump down right now, God will send his angels to save you. But Jesus knew that God would save him. But did Jesus yield to temptation? So it means, unlike Heidi, unlike Tianhui, unlike Joanne, unlike me, who yielded to temptation, and we can only experience from here to here, Jesus did not yield to temptation and it means that he can understand every single thing that all of us are going through. Do you get it? So I want you to see that this is what the Word of God is saying. The high priest of ours understands our weakness. He faced all the testings that we do. The testings here, testing here, testing there. The pressures, okay? And yet, he did not sin. And because he did not sin, we can come boldly to the throne of Jesus who understands the pressure and gives grace. And when he gives grace, we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. You all get it? Now, 
I want you to know that everyone has a different weakness. For some of you here, your weakness could be money. For some of you here, your weakness could be sex. For some of you here, your weakness could be power or road rage or lack of sleep. When you have no sleep, you get very grumpy. Or some of you here, you'll be idleness. When you are doing nothing in your life, that's when you're most easily tempted. Some of us here, it will be busyness. When you're very, very busy, then you're tempted to do all kinds of crazy things. Or some of us here, it will be for acceptance or popularity or even your temptation is to compare grades with your friends. What is the temptation that you're going through? Specifically today, we are talking about masturbation and pornography. And maybe this is a very pressing issue for guys and girls in the church today. That pornography could be a great weakness for all of us. And masturbation could be a great weakness for all of us. Jesus didn't look at pornography. Jesus didn't masturbate. But in his weakness, he was tempted. And yet, he did not yield. If he yielded, what's the point of going to him? He also fell like us, what? But because he did not yield, therefore, we can go to him. And because Jesus didn't sin, he understands. It is not those who sin, it is not those who sin, but those who haven't sinned, they can understand what we are going through. Whatever temptation Jesus has uh, has been through, he overcame it and therefore we can find mercy and grace. So for those of you who are tempted in lust and you think that Jesus won't understand, I want you to know because Jesus didn't yield, he completely understands. Next time you are alone in your toilet, you are alone taking a shower. Okay, you can't be not alone taking a shower or in the toilet. Next time you are alone on your bed, next time you have Wi-Fi or next time you have 3G networks, next time you have whatever, and you are tempted. I want you to know that you are not alone. Whatever that you are about to do, Jesus is watching. What a spooky thing, right? Click now. (laughs) But Jesus is watching not to police you. Jesus is watching you so that you can call out to Him for help. Because He understands the pressure of the temptation. And He says to you, hey, 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 hey. I was tempted once. I understand it. Now you are about to be tempted. Now you are about to sin. Call out to me. I will save you. I will help you. Why? Because I can. Because I have not sinned. I have not yielded. And I want you to know that God's help comes at a time when we need it the most. Right? The last part. When we need it the most. In a modern day language, it means in the nick of time. In the nick of time. And why is it important to receive help at the right time? Because if we receive help too early, we get complacent. If we receive help too late, we yield to temptation. But the whole process of us being tempted, having to endure temptation, is for us to build endurance. To say, no, you know what, God, I I really need you to help me. And if you are willing to help me and I know you can, I will grow in this particular area. And I will stop yielding to temptation. And I know that I will get your grace when I need it the most. Now, you guys are doing wonderful so far. I've been preaching for like 50 minutes already. I'm sweating buckets. But, oh, I just flung my sweat. Now, in my closing, in my closing, I want you to know that every teenager has two fears or every young person has two fears. Because sometimes we are teenagers as 20-plus-year-olds as well, right? We have two fears. The first fear is, will someone love me? That's why I dress like that. 
That's why I talk like that. That's why I spend like that. Because I'm asking the question, will someone love me? And the second question that a teenager will ask, his fear, is will I be able to love someone? Will someone love me? And will I be able to love someone? Essentially, what the teenager is really crying out for, what he's really asking is, am I able to experience pure love? Am I really able to experience pure love in this world? And if I'm unable to, or if I'm not receiving pure love, then I will turn to something else that can make me feel like I'm experiencing love, which is why a teenager has a higher tendency to go and watch pornography. Because pornography, even though it's on screen, it makes you feel that you're wanted. Pornography makes you feel loved. And pornography will never reject you. Because these people on screen will want more and more and more of you. Even though they can't like literally interact with you, but all they want to do is that, hey, look at me and you have a good time. Hey, look at me and I will fulfill you. Hey, look at me and I will give you more and more and more. And that's why pornography is invading the teenage world. Let me tell you what pornography is. Pornography is love without control. And what is love without control? Love without control is lust. And lust is when you have a strong desire for something forbidden. Lust can turn into an out-of-control addiction. And addiction can turn into a compulsive bondage. Which is why even though a teenager who struggles with pornography starts off with the idea of, can I experience pure love? If he goes through the whole chain of pornography channels, what he will end up at is that he will end up in bondage. I'm not a perfect person. In fact, I'm far from perfect. I have a very, very terrible past. I don't know about you, but um, guys or girls, you all know what it feels like to be caught surfing porn? Maybe not. I was caught surfing porn twice when I was in my teenage days. Very young young Christian, 14, 15 years old. And what happened was that, what I did was that last time in the 56K modem, it was difficult to find porn on the internet. And when you find porn, you want to bookmark it. But it was a shared computer. It was my uncle's computer that my youngest cousin will use, and she's a girl, very cute little girl, and she'll use as well. So I, being a user on the computer, and last time they had multiple profiles, so everybody logs into the same profile. And so when I log in, I will have my own um, internet uh, bookmarks. And so what I did was that, because I wanted easy access to porn, what I did was that I bookmarked all the porn sites. And of course, I will not bookmark it with the original title. You know what I'll bookmark it with? Juventus FC. Manchester United Fan Club. I will even put like Liverpool Fan Club. AC Milan fan site. I'll put like Barcelona Football Club. So that I will have easy access to these pornography websites. But lo and behold, what happened was that my uncle, the daughter, or the, uh, the, 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 the father of this youngest cousin that I have, logged into this computer and started looking at some of the bookmarks. Maybe he was interested in football, I don't know. And then he found out. He found out. And let me tell you, he, I thank God for, that, for, for how he's found out because the way he exposed me, it wasn't to shame me. 
He sat me down one side and he said, Joey, I've been looking through some of the internet bookmarks and I noticed that these are some undesirable materials that you're watching. Are you okay? And he was very gentle about it. He didn't condemn me. He didn't report me to my mom. And he pulled me one side to say, hey, you know what? I, I know what it feels like. I know the temptation they're going through. Can I help you? And let me tell you, after that experience, I deleted everything and told myself, never again. Until one year later, I got tempted again. And this is, this is the amazing way that God helps me. It, it was horrible at the time. Horrible at the time. And what happened was that I was surfing porn on the same computer. Right? And then... Um, there was this particular, uh, it's like a, it's like a, um, a malware, a bugware or something like that. And it wasn't, we weren't using Apple then. So it was still an open thing, a Windows 95, okay? So long ago, right? And what happened was that there was ICQ. You know what's ICQ? Uh-oh, you know? ICQ, MSN and all. Okay, maybe you understand ICQ as well. And you could chat with friends and all that. And as I was surfing porn, this is crazy, okay? And I'll confess to you. As I was surfing porn, I was chatting with my crush. Like we were 15 years old. I, I can't remember how old we were, 14 years old. And I was chatting with my crush. And obviously, I was trying to make an impression on her. And at that point in time, my crush wanted to play a prank on me. So she didn't know that I was surfing porn, obviously. And she actually sent me this bug that if I installed it into my computer, she's able to have control over my screen. And I tell you, this is the grace of God. This is really the grace of God. And this software that she could do, I mean, this was like in 1998, 1999, thereabouts, right? This software that she had, she was able to open my CD-ROM without me knowing. So she opened my CD-ROM, I'm like, what in the world, right? And then she's able to show me prompters. And so I remember she said, are you over 18 years old? And with every pornography website, you would say yes, even though I was 15. And so I clicked yes. Is it legal for you to watch pornographic material in your country? I clicked yes. And this was her prompting me. Because what I didn't know was that she had started to capture screenshots of my computer. This is the crush, the girl of my dreams. The one that I wanted to be girlfriend. And she (laughs) saw the things that I was looking at. And you know what? This is the grace of God. This is really the grace of God. She was so distraught by that, so devastated by that, that this guy whom she knew was going after her was looking at pornographic material while chatting with her. What a terrible thing, right? And so she didn't have the courage or the appropriateness to confront me and so she went to tell my good friend about it. And so these these are friends that I still hang out with and we, I mean, we haven't talked about it in a long time but it's really the grace of God and this friend actually confronted me and he's not even like a strong believer but he was, he loved me enough to know that I wasn't doing the right thing. He confronted me in church and he said, hey, let me tell you what has happened. And I was aghast. Like, that's it. Forget about this relationship. No chance already. But you know what? Even though you think nobody knows what you're going through, even though you think no, nobody knows what you're looking at, even though you think nobody knows what you're doing, let me tell you, people know. For me, it was very scary. Uncle, then my crush potential girlfriend, all chalat one. But let me tell you, I think it was the grace of God that saved me. It was really the grace of God that saved me. If not for them finding out about my struggles, I think I would have struggled through my entire teenage years. 
but because they discovered and it was brought to the light. The devil cannot destroy me in the dark anymore. It was brought to the light. There was confession. There was someone to take me through this whole bondage, breaking thing. And I emerged stronger from it. And really, if not for them exposing me, I think I will be in deep, deep trouble. Even Superman knew that kryptonite could make him weak. And so he did everything he could to avoid it. Real strength, young people, is knowing what your weaknesses are and doing something about it. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, and that's the last verse. Uh, next slide. From the verses that we've shared, and this is what the Word of God says, the temptations in your life, and this is after Paul had spoken to the Corinthians about the five advantages that they had and the five things that they were doing. And then now Paul concludes that sharing. And he says to the people in the Corinthian church, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than what you can stand. This tells me that whenever you are tempted, whenever the, 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 uh, Satan is allowed to tempt you, he is not allowed to tempt you beyond your ability to tahan the temptation. This is the faithfulness of God. And when you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. That's the whole point of Paul sharing with them the five four advantages and the five different ways we mess with sin because God is faithful. So let me tell you, this verse is not about tests, but it's about temptation. God tests us to bring out our best, but Satan tempts us to bring out our worst. So Paul's summary to the Corinthians is in effect, let me read this for you. This is my own understanding. My own understanding of this verse, okay? How you are, how you are tempted now is the same as how the Israelites were tempted then. No difference. Now you overcome it in the same way they overcame it. By depending on a faithful God who will not allow you to be tempted beyond your ability, but will also show you the way out. The purpose of His faithfulness in your temptation is for you to learn endurance. The Corinthians had a choice. When they were tempted, do they give in to their temptation and indulge in sin? Or would they go like, you know what, Lord, you are faithful, you will provide a way out, I will endure so that I can grow through it. So young people, if you are tempted... If you are tempted, don't blame human factor, don't blame human error, don't blame human nature. See that this is an opportunity for you to seek God. God, I'm being tempted now, but you are faithful. God, what is the way of escape? God, show me the way of escape. It could be a phone call I need to make. It could be a running shoe I need to put on. It could be an app I need to uninstall. What is it, Lord? You show me the way of escape so that I can move from one day to one week to three years or the three months to one year to a lifetime that I'm no longer tempted because I have endured through it. Get it? I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Or maybe just a pianist. Just a pianist. Yeah? So that when I give the altar call, I sound spiritual. <laughs> I'm just kidding, okay? Nobody's laughing, so I'm a bit scared, okay? I want you to know that endurance produces growth and life. We need to learn endurance because it produces growth and life. 
This is a picture of the Great Barrier Reef. It's one of the most beautiful things on earth, according to Wikipedia. It stretches 2,900 kilometers from Papua New Guinea to Australia. The lagoon side of the Great Barrier Reef is pale and lifeless. But the ocean side of the Great Barrier Reef, that means the lagoon side facing land is pale and lifeless. But the ocean side facing, you know, um, the ocean is, li- is vibrant and colourful. Why? Why is it like that? And this is what a tour guide said. Okay, let me read this for you. The coral around the lagoon side is in still water. No challenge for its survival. It dies early. But the corals on the ocean side are constantly being tested by wind, waves, storms. Essentially, they are tested by surges of power. The the corals on the ocean side has to fight for survival every day of its life. As it is challenged and tested, it changes and adapts. It grows healthy, it grows strong, and it reproduces. And this is the same with people. When God allows temptations to take place in your life, it's not for your downfall. No, it is for your growth. It is for your character building. It is to bring out the best in you. But if you yield to temptation, the devil will bring out the worst in you. In our Christian walk, when we are challenged and we are tested, we come alive. So temptations, they have the same ability, the same potential to produce destruction or development of character. Let's pray. Is there anyone looking around with all eyes closed, with all heads bowed? I want this to be a private moment between you and the Lord. I will tell you from the get-go, I am not going to give an altar call where you guys come up, where all the sinners, pornographers and masturbators come out and I pray for you and then you get slain. No, 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 no. no. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. But this is what I want to do with you. I want to give you an opportunity. Okay, an opportunity to have courage, to come before God, to say, God, you know I'm struggling with certain sins. You know I'm struggling with certain temptations. And today, Lord, today, Lord, I want to break free from it. I don't want this sin, I don't want this temptation to bring me down anymore. God, you know my struggle. God, you know that every time I come to the altar call, every time I confess before you, it's always the same sin. And today, Lord, today, Lord, your grace demands me to do what is right. Your grace demands me to do what is holy. Your grace demands me to pursue a holy life. And today, Lord, as I read Your Word, as I listen to the preaching of Your Word, as I'm convicted by Your transformational power, today, Lord, I want to say no. I want to say it's the end to my struggle with pornography, to my struggle with masturbation, to my struggle with thinking or feeling lustful thoughts. Today, Lord, it's the end. 
I bring it to an end and I will come to you, Lord, to get sorted out because, God, I know that when I'm in your presence, I am clean. I am washed as white as snow. When I confess my sins to you, you are faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and purify me from all unrighteousness. And you are able to do that because you are looking at Christ on behalf of Christ, because of Christ, on account of Christ, you have forgiven me. And God, I depend on you for that right this moment. So without anyone looking around, please. Without anyone looking around. If you know, if you know that you are struggling with lust, with a sexual sin, with masturbation, with pornography, with looking at things that you're not supposed to, if you are in a relationship and it has gone too far, and today you say, Lord, it's the end. I'm going to stop it right now. And I need you to help me because I'm trying to find that way out. And God, I know you are faithful and you will help me. So if that is you, that is you, no one looking around, all I need you to do is to just nod your head so that I can acknowledge you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. I'm looking across guys and girls. Thank you. I see those nodding of heads. Anyone else? There's no shame in this. There is no shame in confession. There's no shame in telling the Lord, Lord, you know my struggles. You already knew my struggles. God, help me. I really need your help. I'm sick and tired of this sin that gets me down all the time. I'm sick and tired of this sin that destroys my character, that destroys my, my fellowship with you, that destroys my credibility. Lord, I'm sick and tired of it and I want to break out of it. And you know what? If you make a decision not to break out of it, I believe that God, by His grace, will find a way to expose you so that He helps you to walk in His light. So one last opportunity, if you know that you have a sin, a sexual sin, and you want to break free from it right this afternoon, right this evening, then why don't you just give me a nod of the head? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Heavenly Father, you know the hearts that are lifted to you and the heads that are nodding in your presence. Father, it's between you and them. And Father, I thank you that your Holy Spirit has convicted them today that it is an area that they need to surrender to you, that they need your help in, that they need you to help them to overcome so that they do not have the worst, the inner beast coming out to haunt them, but know that you, your Holy Spirit, will help them to grow closer to you. So God, for every heart that is lifted to you, for every head that has been nodding to you, God, I pray that you will help them. Whenever they are tempted, they will cry out to you and they will say, God, help me. Help me to find a way out. And God, they will find it when they need it the most, in the nick of time. But Father, today I also want to pray that for the guys and the girls who are dealing with lust, I pray that you give them the courage to speak to someone about it. To speak to someone about it. So that the devil cannot hunt them down on things in the dark anymore because it's now brought to the light. So Father, I want to pray, Lord, that this evening, 
will be a time where in loud gen, sins of this nature will no longer hound young people in darkness. But that God, you will give them a spiritual courage like no other that they can talk about these things and be comfortable in confessing to one another for when there's confession, there is reconciliation to you, there's healing, spiritual healing, and that God, there is a restoration of fellowship with you. So Lord, right now, give them the courage. You have already convicted them and I pray that you give them the courage to speak with someone who can help them about these sins that they're going through. Thank you, Lord. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I hand the time back to Pastor, I just want to say, if there are older guys here, make yourself available to speak with a younger guy. Okay? And if there are older girls here, make yourself available to speak with the younger girls. And there's really no shame in this, really. There's really no shame in this. So that's my encouragement to y'all talk to each other and maybe I'll get pastor to facilitate this whole speaking to each other part because she'll know how best your youth group works alright so praise the Lord I will pass the time back to Pastor Joanne alright thank you Pastor Joey our service is over we'll see you next week for cell group bye